Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. This podcast is sponsored by TheraWorks Relief. Many of you get sore, achy legs from standing all day or get asked about painful foot and leg cramps. If so, you're going to want to hear about TheraWorks Relief, a clinically proven topical foam that prevents and relieves muscle cramps and soreness. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. Hey, listeners. In today's episode, you will hear a live discussion from Lipscomb University College of Pharmacy in Nashville, where the students asked uh, several women to come in and do a women in pharmacy panel. Uh, There were lots of of young female pharmacists there and some brave men as well. Uh, So you'll get to hear from uh, four of us talking about uh, issues uh, related to women uh, in business and particularly women in pharmacy. And uh, we'll hit on several hot topics. It will be moderated by Marissa Brakefield, who is the APHA ASP Women's Health Committee Chair for Lipscomb University College of Pharmacy. And I hope you enjoy the discussion. This is part two in our series. Okay. So here's the next question. Um, in what ways do you advocate for women and women's health specifically if it's applicable to your practice? And we'll start with Dr. Gross. I mean, um, I guess one thing I've seen a lot in pharmacy and like we were just kind of saying, like I feel like pharmacy is an outlet that women have really been able to step up. Um, at corporate, we have women vice presidents. We have um, our vice president is a woman pharmacist over the um, area of that. So I feel like in our arena, at least, we really have made a great impact. So I feel like it is stepping up. In my um, last couple previous positions, um, it is kind of funny. I mean, this was about 10 years ago. So maybe there has been this shift. Um, one of the reasons I did leave my position was because I knew I'd never be able to move up and advance my career. I can't say that it was because I was a woman, but there definitely was a kind of sexism um, family kind of, you know, dynamic there. But um, I felt like that was a, an area where it, they did call for the, you know, the, the male druggist kind of, you know, situation. It was a very small town and um, just kind of, you know, still had, I feel like that same kind of Perkins feel, um, you know, very, where you know, all the elderly, you know, you kind of hate to be stereotypical, but it was that kind of same feel. And so um, I think Nashville, you know, again, not to kind of stereotype a city, but Nashville's a big city. Um, I think we've moved up, we've moved with the ages and things like that. So I think this is a good area where we don't still have some of those um, walls and stuff in the area. I'm trying to think about my current role. Um, our objectives change frequently with, with what we're working on. And so Actually, right now I'm calling on a lot of urologists for men's health uh, purposes. (laughs) But we're actually looking at data in women's health, uh, both in ovarian and breast cancer. So I will very soon be advocating for women's health and and networking with physicians who treat women's uh, cancers. Um, But as far as advocating for women in the career, um, I think over my career I have 
established relationships um, with a lot of women uh, student pharmacists who have been in very similar positions to myself. We have a lot of really amazing um, student pharmacists who are moms, and that was something that I was involved in. I mean, I started pharmacy school with a five-week-old and continued to have babies during pharmacy school and during residency and then as a faculty member. And so just recognizing the struggles that, that women go through when you're juggling really hard jobs. School is really hard. Being a mom is really hard. Being a woman is really hard. Being a man's really hard too. I'm not, I mean, it's all hard, right? We all have hard things to get through. But, but recognizing that and giving each other grace, um, I think is, is really important. Um, Um, so a little history lesson, uh, next year marks the 100th uh, anniversary for the women's right to vote. So Tennessee was actually the, the 36th state needed to ratify the 19th Amendment. So um, it's pretty cool that last year was the very first uh, official Women's Pharmacy Day. So I love that y'all are putting together this panel. Um, yeah, we've got um, I think over 30,000 pharmacists, moms, uh, pharmacist moms and the pharmacist moms group. Um, so just a lot of cool things happening with women in pharmacy. Um, so one way that um, we, I was able to kind of help advocate this year was putting together a list of top 25 women in pharmacy um, uh, for the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. And so that got a, a really great response and was just a great way to recognize um, some other female leaders uh, who are out there that I admire and that, that I feel are really um, pushing and advancing the profession forward. Yeah, so um, speaking to advancing the profession forward, I, um, in my short time as a pharmacist, but also in some of my time um, working as a youth coach, I have found that there is a need for people in service positions that look like their patients. So just like we want people who represent us politically that look like us and who have experiences like us, we need people in healthcare that look like us and have experiences like us. And so a huge thing that I want to commend the women in the room on is, you know, pursuing a field in the STEM fields, uh, because there are a lot of women who feel like in healthcare they're not being listened to, and you guys are in a really unique position, women we all are, um, to you know, listen to women and listen to their issues, and listen to their problems, and offer solutions. And I think from a patient standpoint, uh, that's been lacking for years and years. Um, so I think that's kind of only the small thing I want to add is, um, as professionals, I think advancing the profession is just uh, women challenging themselves to be in fields that they aren't typically in order to make sure that they are reflecting the people that they're serving and also doing the best for them. So that's kind of all I would add to the comments. Let's see what we've got next. What gaps or disparities do you think exist in healthcare for women today? And how do you think we can best fix those issues? And that's like a huge question. So mm -hmm. this may take some time. <laughs> Um, all right, gaps or disparities in healthcare for women today. Um, I, you know, I think that 
Um, as, as Kaylin mentioned, it's great to see more women going into um, the, the healthcare professional field to be able to um, uh, relate back to patients. So uh, that's, that's a great uh, thing we're moving forward and, and helping to, to fix that. Um, I would say that we need more uh, women in leadership positions. So, um, you know, we have some um, chief pharmacy officers uh, and other leadership positions. Um, so I really think that mentoring um, those who are younger um, is, is so powerful because we've got to have women ready to take on those leadership positions. Um, so I think, um, ha you know, being a mentor, if you're, you know, a little bit older, like, you know, I'm sure all of us are, are mentoring or would be willing to mentor um, younger generations and probably do that already through precepting. Uh, but, but all of you um, and school, um, just thinking about, you know, finding uh, some, some women or men uh, that you look up to and that could mentor you to help get ready for some of those um, leadership positions. Um, I think there's, there's probably a lot of other uh, things that we could do to, to fix some of these issues, but I'll let some of the rest of the panel handle this. <laughs> Before we move on to the next panelist, let's first talk a little bit about the compliance associated with drug waste. Are you aware of the 2014 Drug Disposal of Controlled Substances ruling that regards safe disposal of unused medications? Well, we're lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer ready-to-use chemical drug disposal systems are safe, easy, and affordable products, which protect the environment and can save thousands in fines. To get more information on products, training, and medication waste, compliance, check out www.rxdestroyer.com slash talk to your pharmacist. You look like you have an answer. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm going to twist it. I'm going to twist my answer to um, um, maternity and paternity care. Um, I know most other countries offer like a year after um, births of children. Um, I know when we had our kids, um, I was allowed, I guess, with the state of Tennessee, about 16 weeks off, and then my husband was allowed, I can't remember, but I think about, I can't remember, what it was a little bit more than, yeah, it was, yeah, some, but, but yes, yeah, so we were able to take off some time, um, both of us, but it's definitely not as much as most of the other um, countries allow for birth <coughs> children, and then um, I know having a colleague that just had one, um, it was kind of sad watching her come back to, to work this last week because um, you know, she was taking her little boy to daycare and about four months is you know when they just start having personalities and um, making cooey, cooing sounds and stuff like that and then that's when you're like oh go to daycare and I'm going to go back to work and so we're struggling with work from home days and things like that with her so I definitely think I'm kind of twisting the answer but that's one thing where I feel like um, not just for, but not just for the woman, but for the the father as well. Uh, I think that's an excellent point, honestly, um, and kind of snowballing just generally into women's health. Um, I've found that a, a lot of uh, male practitioners, um, at least in my generation of practitioners, um, and and some female practitioners as well get really uncomfortable talking about women's health. I mean, I'm referring like directly to things like childbirth, 
um, and complications related to it, um, talking about things like menstruation and complications related to those things. Um, and, and I mean, just openly, like, so people struggle with sex, and I think a lot of people have a hard time talking about that. So as women, we might be socially conditioned to keep those things to ourselves, to feel ashamed of those things, those issues that we're having, and not feel comfortable sharing it with other people. And I think that's a larger issue within the women's community than often the men's. So I think, I mean, it's a big, long conversation, to, to your point, but, um, you know, continuing to demystify women's health, to continuing to have open and candid conversations about complications related to women's health, empowering men to feel comfortable asking questions about women's health. I think these are all things that allow us to have a more open dialogue with our patients and ultimately create a comfort. Um, Women's health is weirdly enough a political issue <laughs> recently. Um, we've seen celebrities who are women who go to have children and complain of pain or issues and get ignored and you know face bigger complications because of that. And you know while we all make mistakes and overlook things, I think it, it is there is a disparity in that sense. So you know kind of growing up a little and having those candid conversations about unpleasant and you know non-light and fluffy topics are going to be really big for moving forward and, and eliminating that disparity. That's, that's a really great answer. And I can, I can think of specific examples, um, not just women's health, but men's health too, depending on the demographic that you're speaking with. And you know, being a, a new graduate and having to talk to someone about BPH and histamine use and yeah. you know, <laughs> asking really uncomfortable questions that you wouldn't openly go ask your grandfather, but you have to ask this man in the, at the pharmacy counter. So that's a, that's a really, really <laughs> great answer. Um, thinking more specifically, because my, my brain always goes to oncology, there I think are a lot of unanswered questions when it comes to research. And there are um, there are a lot of um, racial and ethnic background disparities when you look at cancer care, um, and a lot of those are in women's health cancers um, and men's health cancers. When you look at prostate cancer, when you look at breast cancer, and you look at the rates of mortality, and um, there's no clear answer. It's not socioeconomic status. It's not um, education status. So there there's something else there. And so, um, you know, encouraging women and, and young men, encouraging practitioners and scientists to answer some of those questions and delve into those questions in a very objective manner um, and subjective manner and, you know, really conducting great research, I think, is something that is ultimately going to answer some of these questions and improve women's health care. I also wanted to add, because I, I really like the patient aspect of that. I wanted to add for you guys in here, and you know, I don't know how much you're going to be involved in this, but um, there have been studies that have shown that women wait so much longer when they go to the emergency room and they report pain. They wait much longer to receive analgesics than men do. And additionally, um, there are conditions I think of like fibromyalgia, some autoimmune conditions, that women are much more likely to be at risk of um, developing or just having, but we don't, or we're not sure why necessarily. Um, and those are conditions that also have been shown that you go through several misdiagnoses before you get to that final condition. So um, I know the women in here know this, um, but to the guys who like, be sure you're listening to your women patients, you know, take them seriously. Oh, I keep trying to get up. I, I have a clue. 
Okay, what piece of advice would you offer to the women student pharmacists in the room? I can't remember who I started with last time, so free for all. I think the biggest thing is to be kind. Um, I grew up a very competitive female. I've mellowed a lot. But what I found out um, is that, and I said this earlier, there's room enough for each of us to succeed. And so um, you can still be competitive and push yourself, but that doesn't mean that you can't push your neighbor and push your best friend and push your classmate across the room. Not physically. Please don't, please don't push someone on their chair right now. But, you know, help somebody else out because we, we do all win when when we help others and you'll find that as you help others you learn a lot yourself um, and that's that's where everyone benefits so be kind um, help others um, I'll just go back to to mentorship how important that is um, I think that you know finding a couple of mentors uh, is great and um, particularly some some females that you uh, look up to. Um, and just to echo um, what was said uh, about, um, you know, pulling others up with you. So if you've had, you know, somehow uh, things have, have opened up for your career, um, look down and look to across, you know, look side to side. How can you help other women out there? Um, so I think that that's really important is just to to look around you and, and help to, to bring others up um, and to do that with, with kindness. And thank you to all the men that are here. So um, I think that's great. And even was just looking at a, a fellow um, pharmacy friend. Um, men are so encouraging to women as well. Um, she was just posting a story about her traveling through the airport with her toddler and she had forgotten to um, buckle her in because they were late for a flight and the toddler jumps out of the stroller on the escalator and tumbles down a couple of stairs so she had five men that came up to her and were like are you okay what can we do and then one of them grabbed her and said don't be embarrassed about anything. You're a good mom, and and this you know you're a human being. So, um, so I think having that encouraging words are always important for everyone to hear. So I just saw that story today and was going to share. I think it's always okay not to know the right answer, but if you don't know, don't try to fake it. Um, that always goes so much further than just saying you don't know. And I remember being in pharmacy school so many times and many professors saying, you know, don't don't stumble over trying to like mumble the wrong answer and, and you know, trying to just fumble through something. If you don't know it, you know, attempt it, that's fine. But if you don't know it, just say, I don't know, and go find the right answer. And most of us, you know, as like we've said several times, you know, Presenting yourself confident goes so much further. If you don't know it and say, I don't know, but I will go find out, that comes across pretty much as, as confident as just knowing the right answer the first time too. So I would much rather have students and colleagues and you know, coworkers and that kind of thing even today just say, oh, I don't know, but I'll go find out 
than them just tell me the wrong answer or just fumble around and, and just kind of look silly. So that's all great advice, and if you don't take it, I will. Um, <laughs> I'm going to come from a little bit of a different angle as someone who's new. Um, so in a residency, you'll find that you're really challenged. All of your time and all of your energy is put toward your residency, and I love mine. However, I'm hitting that like three and a half, four month mark where I am exhausted and I find that it affects my ability to provide the level of care that I would expect from myself. So my advice is this, and this isn't just for women obviously, if you need help, ask for it. Like if you are feeling like you're drowning, let somebody know. Um, if you are in a network of pharmacists and technicians that you can trust and they care about you and your well-being, then you should feel comfortable looking at someone and saying, hey, I need your help with this today because if I have to do it, it will not be done well. Um, I'm also very competitive. I grew up playing sports, so asking for help is hard for me because I feel that it allows me to be perceived as incompetent. False, false. If you're out doing your work and you hit a day that you're sick or that you're tired or that you're confused, to you know, Dr. Gross's point, uh, let's not mumble through that. Let's speak up and say, hey, this is the best effort I could give on the day. Can anyone come and assist me? And you'll find if you found that support network that you know, you've been encouraged to reach out to, you'll produce better work moving forward and you'll create a network that, that allows you some comfort um, and security. And that's something I'm very grateful as someone who is new um, and it kind of feeds into later mentoring others who might be struggling. So. <laughs> and our last question, which I can just ask without clicking because I know it's just what else would you like to add that hasn't been asked of you already? What other topics would you like to hit on already? Parting words of wisdom. And I'll start with Dr. <coughs> I need a minute. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Would any, does anybody have anything they want to say? Because you, you don't have to necessarily. I'm just offering. <laughs> I'll piggyback off of what Kaylin said. So. So uh, just to echo what Kaylin said about um, uh, taking care of yourself, I think that women are often um, kind of the hub for the family. So especially when a, we, I, we do not have kids yet, um, that's another thing. It's kind of like waiting to have, a lot more women are waiting to have kids um, because they're, they're very career driven. But um, you know, once you do, um, it's probably a little bit harder even uh, to take that time out for yourself and and to really you know take a second to like do you know you feel guilty for self-care you, you could feel guilty for self-care at any point um, and and it's not selfish to, to you know go get your nails done or, or whatever it is just exercising I mean that is something that that I have to do because it's just part of my DNA to, it's that built in like being competitive in sports and, and doing that over time. But it's really such a great stress relief is, you know, um, we're in control of like what we eat and um, what we what we do with our, our 24 hours a day. Everyone has the same 24 hours a day. So you just have to um, really be intentional um, and schedule that in. I think that um, prioritizing is so important. I think um, Google Calendar has been really helpful for me scheduling in like when I'm going to work out or scheduling in when I'm having you know lunch or um, hanging out with friends or, or date night with my husband um, or travel that's something that gets me energized. Um, so I think 
yeah, those two things, uh, thinking about self-care and um, being organized and kind of planning that uh, with tools like a Google Calendar or, or Planner or whatever works for you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I have something brilliant to say other than, I mean, do, do what works for you. Not, not everyone's the same. Not everyone likes the Google Calendar. I, I like it. I have to have color-coded, and mm -hmm. each family member has a different color, but that's just, that's where I am right now. Um, but do what works for you because you're you. Um, and the other thing, I mean, you touched on guilt. My gosh, guilt is... It's huge and it's terrible, but why, I mean, that is not something that's productive. And if it's not productive, get rid of it. I think everything that's been set up here has been, been really um, neat to hear and uh, very wise. Um, I think the only couple things I would add is your priorities change. Um, the priorities I had when I was sitting, um, of course, I was at Memphis, but when I was sitting down there at your age, um, so different than when I'm up there, because one of mine's over there today. And um, I mean, it just changes um, where you are in your career, where you are, you know, in your life and with your family. Um, so just, you know, do what makes makes it important for you. Um, like I kind of said before, I mean, don't falter, you know, be you. And I think for me, and, and as we've talked about, you know, women and healthcare and women and careers and things like that, I think the biggest thing for me, and, and as I said, I've always been lucky because I think the pharmacy is so black and white and the pharmacy you know, always has the law behind it and all that, but I've never faltered on the decisions I've made. And there's been many a times in my career where, um, you know, leadership or executives or things like that have come back to me and said, you know, we're not going with this, but I've been able to say, you know, it's my license, it's the pharmacy, it's the pharmacy law, things like that. And, you know, you don't want to be in that, you know, head-to-head -head argument, but at the same time, you have to be true to yourself and true to your ethics and your integrity. And so, I mean, you know, you make those personal decisions that you need to make, but it, it's pharmacy is a very strong ethical and I feel like, um, you know, valuable, valuable, like, you know, career. And I think that makes it true to yourself and it's a very passionate career. So you bring that to your you know, yourself, and I think it's something strong for everybody, and I think that's one reason I feel like a lot of people are drawn to it as well. I definitely agree with all that. Um, I think if I were to add something, uh, it kind of echoes what Dr. Gross said. Um, it's speaking a little bit toward that persistence. Um, in my position right now, I have to do a lot of things that either haven't been done before or I get very little direction. It's like, you know, do this, set up a pharmacy service or run a flu clinic and coming in kind of not knowing what's going on is really challenging. So being persistent with the tasks that you've been given, keep like working on them day to day is really important because sometimes things can be difficult and there are people who may face a wall and decide to stop. I don't believe that that's a pharmacist mentality, so none of y'all probably needed to hear that. Um, but on top of that, if you have goals that you want to reach out in your practice site, um, in your community that you know are within your scope uh, those things can be really challenging to kind of drum up out of nowhere but if you have a goal and um, it's centered in patient care and you think it's something that you guys can do I would really encourage persistence towards those efforts um, making sure that every day you're reaching out to people you need to reach out to that you're you know pursuing a service even if it's very a small and weak um, because uh, I think I learned recently from a lipstick employee, now I can't remember her name, but she had mentioned, you know, 
you eat an elephant one bite at a time. And so I think changing my mindset from, I have all these things to do and I need to get them done as quickly as possible and as impressively as possible, you're gonna have to walk away from that mentality going into a practice site where you may get 30 minutes a day to work on something that you think is important um, and it's really easy to take that 30 minutes a day and push it and push it and push it. But if there's something that you are passionate about, spend time on that, defend your projects, make sure that you're putting time into them because long term they could be very helpful to a lot of people. Well, we are up on time and I, it, I mean, if you guys have questions, I mean, you can like email me, email them, I can forward it to them, you know, whatever, no big deal. But I, I started this thing so rudely, not thanking everyone for being here, but I want to say a sincere thank you so much for doing this and um, celebrating like Lipscomb's first woman pharmacist day. So let's give them a round of applause. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. We are thankful to all the women who have blazed the trails before us, who serve as role models, who are our biggest cheerleaders, and who challenge us to keep pushing our boundaries and breaking glass ceilings. Let's keep growing the next female leaders in the profession by mentoring others coming after you to help advance them in their careers. Look out for others, not just for ourselves. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com and check out our newest podcast, The Natural Products Resource Center, available on Apple, iTunes, and all other platforms. You're going to learn about natural products, including cannabis, CBD, and all of the other natural supplements. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.